I couldn't be more excited to announce that the official Noose and Seeing Other People merch collab is finally here. I put so much care and thought into the designs for this line. I really wanted each product to represent seeing other people and this community. And when I think of seeing other people and all of the listeners and the family here, I think of how empathetic we all are and how communicative we are and how we all want to provide each other with comfort. And so I really incorporated those values into all of the products. And there are shirts that say emotional support human. There's a sweatshirt that says double text. There is a long sleeve that says emotionally available and so much more. Check it out at www.wearenoose.com. That's N-U-S. And of course, links are in bio on all social platforms. I'm so excited. Check it out and let me know what you guys get. I'm, I can't wait to see it on you. Hey guys, it's Alana. Before we get into today's episode, I am so excited to talk about the latest updates for seeing other people. First of all, we have weekly bonus episodes out every Friday. And on these episodes, I am actually opening up more than I ever have about my personal dating life and my experiences and what I've been through and what I've learned. I also answer your questions and occasionally with the help of friends, family members, or even my boyfriend, Jake. And to get these episodes, it's $5 per month to subscribe. I know I hate asking you guys to pay for things, but it really does go a long way and it helps me continue to make this show happen. So if you want to have weekly bonus episodes and access to these, the link is in the show description. You can listen if you're on Spotify, Apple, wherever you are, um, just head to the link that is in the show description through Anchor. Next. As you guys know, my favorite part about seeing other people has always been the conversations that I have with each of you, the listeners, about what's going on in your dating lives and how I can help you get through it. So I launched two one-on-one bookable sessions that you can book starting right now. If you head to the link in my bio on Instagram, it will take you to the menu through Linktree where you can actually select either of the options or you can go to my Calendly. That link is Calendly, C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y.com slash Alana Dunn. And so there is Emotional Support Human, which is a 30-minute call anytime you need a friend or someone to get dating advice from, help make a decision with, or a quick vent sesh. I know you guys love to fill up my DMs asking for help, sending me voice notes, and I really do want to take the time to hear what you're going through and, and really give you my best advice and input. And sometimes we just really need someone to talk to. And I know sometimes it's hard to talk to the people in our lives about what is going on in our lives, which sounds bizarre, but you guys get what I mean. And So I'm here for you and I really look forward to these. They're so amazing and I love getting to know you all better. The second one is a dating app profile revamp. Obviously, as you know, dating app profiles are really hard to make. It's like dating apps expect us to be content creators that specialize in showcasing our best selves, but most of us aren't that. Luckily, I am and I know exactly what works and what doesn't work on dating apps from all of my work experience. So we will meet for 30 minutes and I will come all prepared with advice and actionable things that you can do to transform your dating app profile and help you get closer to finding what you're looking for. So again, all sessions are bookable through the link in my bio on Instagram and the Seeing Other People bio, or you can go to calendly.com slash Ilana Dunn. Thank you so much. Get ready for the episode. And I can't wait to get to know you all better and help you through the ups and downs of everything that is modern dating. Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back for another episode of Seeing Other People. So I've been thinking a lot and one of the things that I love the most about 
seeing other people and about recording these episodes and about talking to all of you is hearing from guests and hearing from listeners who have actually like come out the other end of facing the things that they've faced, whether it is dating anxiety, whether it is getting over heartbreak or getting past somebody who like really hurt them or getting out of an unhealthy relationship or a toxic relationship. I think it's just so incredible watching and hearing all of you really conquer these things and get through them because I know how difficult they are in the moment and how much stronger we are for going through them. So I just want to say to everyone who's who's gone through something, who has kind of gotten through something since beginning to listen to seeing other people, just know that I'm I'm so proud of you. And even if, if you haven't expressed to me what you've been facing, I'm still proud of you. And I know you're out there. And for those who have message, DMs, emailed, um, come on the podcast to share what you've dealt with and, and how you overcame it. Like I think about you guys all the time and I really, it warms my heart and makes me so happy. And I feel so special to be able to hear from you and, and to hear and share some of your stories. And today's guest is absolutely no exception to that. I am bringing on Kevin Nahai, who is a speaker and coach who focuses on dating and relationships and anxiety management and confidence. And he himself has an incredible story about something that he went through and how it ended up getting him to this place in his life where he is actually helping others get through what they're struggling with. And I love hearing stories like that. I think it is so beautiful. And Kevin has such amazing expert wisdom and advice and so many great tips for how we can really get into healthy relationships and figure out what relationships we're in that aren't healthy and finding ways to be less anxious in our relationships or figure out if anxiety is coming from us or from the person that we're dating. So I'm super excited for this episode. There's a lot that we're going to talk about that I know is really going to hit home for a bunch of you listening. So get ready. Let's bring Kevin in to the episode. All right. And we are here with the wonderful Kevin Nahai. Kevin, welcome to Seeing Other People. Thank you so much, Ilana. I'm only seeing you right now, um, much to your boyfriend's chagrin. Sorry, boyfriend. But, uh, <laughs> I'm not seeing other people. I'm seeing Ilana across from my computer here. So, uh, And I'm seeing Kevin. So that's that's the way we do this here. Um, well, Kevin, I'm super excited to have you here. I can't wait for our conversation and, and for all the topics we're going to discuss. This is going to be a really great episode. Why don't you introduce yourself and who you are, a little bit of your backstory and what you do to the Seeing Other People family? Sure. Um, thank you so much for having me on. So my name is Kevin Nahai. I'm a public speaker and a personal coach uh, from Los Angeles, and I live in LA currently. And um, I work on four areas with people. One is dating and relationships. Two is anxiety, and depression. Three is self-esteem and confidence. And four is helping people figure out what they want to do with their lives. Um, now, each one of these areas is its own bucket, but it's also very, they're all very related to each other, um, especially the first three, the anxiety, the confidence, and the dating. Um, and, you know, I always like to say that people don't really listen to anything I have to say until I start talking about dating and relationships. And that's when all of the eyes turn and they're like, oh, I want to hear about that. So, you know, basically the reason I work on these four areas is that these are the four areas in my own life where I've struggled, I struggled immensely. Um, when I was 19, I was diagnosed with a chronic disease um, and I fell into a very deep depression. I became severely anorexic. I became suicidal 
and my organs were failing and I couldn't get out of bed. And I just had all kinds of mental and emotional trauma that hit me like a truck out of nowhere. Um, and I had no hope, no confidence, no direction, you know, relationships with women were out of the question at the time that I was really sick. Um, but you know, I started to get a little bit better and a little healthier. And when I was 21, I had my first real relationship and it was a pretty successful and and healthy relationship, except that what I realized was that I was not, um, I was not really healthy or ready to be in a relationship. And I, I discovered that I had a lot of abandonment issues and I had a lot of sort of unresolved emotional injuries from, you know, when I was a kid and my attachment to my parents and stuff like that. And after that relationship ended, I went through a series of pretty toxic, you know, dysfunctional relationships. I sort of spiraled um, until I decided, you know, that I have to get control of this and I have to figure out why I keep bringing these unhealthy people into my life and, you know, what I need to do differently. And, um, you know, the last thing I'll say is that of, of everything I've been through, the reason I'm so passionate about helping people with their dating lives is that of everything I've been through from anorexia to suicide, to depression, to chronic disease, there was nothing more painful than the pain of feeling unlovable and feeling lost in my relationships and feeling like I don't have any light at the tunnel when it comes to women and dating. And, you know, now I have an amazing dating life. I have tremendous relationships with women. I know exactly what I'm looking for. And, um, over the course of the last three years, I've coached 97 women who were all single between the ages of 28 and 38 and 91 of them are all either married, engaged, or in successful relationships. So if they can do it, and if I can do it, anybody can do it. And if I can do it, everyone, everyone who's listening for the most part knows that I struggled with a lot of the things that you just mentioned. Um, And I definitely can relate to feeling completely hopeless and unlovable. And I, the number of times I thought like, there's something wrong with me, like, I must be crazy. I, I I don't understand why like everyone around me can do it, but I can't like nobody wants to be with me. It's the worst feeling in the world. It truly is. And I, I love that. I feel like so many people who end up working in, in this field come from having had those experiences and pulling themselves out of it. And of course it doesn't happen overnight, but it's just so inspiring to see people like yourself who have, turned things around and then gone on to help other people. And I mean, the fact that all of those people are, are now like in healthy, positive relationships are, that's incredible. So definitely kudos to you. Um, it's a really delicate balance when, when you say, um, you know, I felt like there was so, you you said you felt like there was so much that was wrong with you and maybe you are crazy and stuff. mm -hmm. And the answer to that conundrum is in truth, maybe there is something wrong with you and maybe you are crazy, right? But those are not, that's not irreparable damage. Those are not insurmountable obstacles. And in our dating lives, when we're noticing our patterns that could be considered crazy, right? Or when we're noticing the things about ourselves that could be considered quote unquote wrong with us, 
it's a delicate balancing act because the solution to 50% of our dating problems is self-help, which mm-hmm. is overcoming your obstacles, healing your own wounds, behaving better, choosing better partners, working with a professional. That's the solution to 50% of it. The solution to the other 50% is self-acceptance, which is understanding your individual emotional constitution and understanding who you are and what's going to work for you and accepting that that's probably not going to change. And the worst mistake we make is that we neither help ourselves nor accept ourselves. Because when you're coming home and you're saying, I'm crazy and what's wrong with me, there could be things that are wrong with you and you could be a little bit crazy. But in that situation, you're neither accepting those quirks about yourself nor actually doing anything to improve them. And so we get stuck in analysis paralysis we get stuck in you know this overthinking negative feedback loop where now you're neither accepting who you are and working with it nor improving the parts of yourself that you've noticed you want to change mm-hmm. um and it's really not like all one or the other it's not you have to accept 100% of who you are because then you never grow and it's also not you have to change 100% of who you are because that's not possible and, you know, you shouldn't change 100% of who you are, especially not to match somebody else. Yeah. One question I do have listening to your story, you mentioned that when after you were in this healthy relationship at 21, you realized that there were things that you needed to work on things from your past things from your childhood. How I feel like that's such a young age to be able to look within and and recognize those things. So I'm wondering if something led you to that recognition or if that was something you actually realized in hindsight because I feel like a lot of people have not really done that work to look within and they're it's the place that you do need to start at it's 100 percent the the place you need to start at so while I was in it I knew that something was wrong but I didn't know what the things were so it's it's in hindsight that I can point back at myself and say that was attachment issues, that was anxiety, that was abandonment terror, that was, you know, jealousy, et cetera, et cetera, right? I can label them, I can name them, I can analyze them, and I know how to avoid the mistakes. Now, some people never even get to the place where they're willing to look at themselves in hindsight, right? And that's how they stay stuck where they are, dating the same person over and over again, just wearing a different outfit, you know, or with a different haircut. It's because they don't actually look at their own patterns. Um, But while I was in it, I did have the presence of mind that something was off and I didn't know what it was. But most of most people, Ilana, in their relationships, they know when their behavior is off. They know when they're acting too avoidant. They know when they're acting too clingy. They know when their anxiety is getting the best of them. They, They may not be able to name it. They may not be able to diagnose it. But we're smart enough to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, okay, the way I'm behaving is kind of not normal. I just, I don't have control over it. I'm so anxious that like, this is the only thing I feel like I can do, you know? And like you said on your Instagram story, um, no relationship has ever ended over a double text, which is such a great line, but, and everyone knows that, right? They know instinctually, intellectually if I double text or don't, it's really not going to matter. So it's a complete waste of time that I'm 
overanalyzing this. They're, they're self-aware enough to know that what they're doing is like they're going way too far with their overthinking. But in the moment, you don't really know how to do anything else until you start practicing different habits. So that's why in that relationship, I was aware that things were off, but I was still perpetuating the behaviors. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, I, I totally like I feel the anxiety that I felt in those moments of like, oh, like I want to send the text, but like, is that going to push them away and make them think I'm needy or like what? But they haven't texted me back yet. Maybe they're waiting an hour. So then I'm going to have to wait two hours. And yeah, like we just we overthink and to the point where we can't think about anything else. Uh, um, and thing. I have a whole I have a whole talk about the word needy and the myths of being needy and all of that stuff. Yeah, I, I have a line that I say where it's like, I'm not needy, I just have needs. And one of those needs might be like getting a text back at some point or like knowing what someone's thinking and, and that's okay. And and we all have things that I think that we need in order to feel more comfortable. And that I think that's totally okay. But it's it's realizing that you're going to have questions and you're going to want answers. And it's not crazy to want somebody to confirm a date the morning of, or to want to get that text back the next day after a date that they had a good time. Absolutely but not. It's, it's, in it's the crazy. moment, it's just, uh, ah. The, the, the crazy thing is the state we've gotten to, which is pretending that those things aren't normal yeah. or pretending that, I mean, the, the real, the real hysteria is not, I want a little bit of reassurance or I want communication or I want to confirm a date. There's nothing crazy about that. That's very normal. What's what's crazy is pretending that those things aren't normal or that there's something wrong with you if you want reassurance or validation or confirmation. I mean, we're all human beings. And this whole idea in the self-help, um, in you know the current self-help generation of like, you have to be 100% okay on your own and you can't rely on other people's validation or their reassurance or whatever, that that's just pure unadulterated crap. It has absolutely yeah. no basis in anything scientific. It, it actually completely disavows what we know about human beings, which is that we are a tribe species that need to function together. Mm-hmm. And if we really truly adopted that attitude of being perfect on your own, before inviting into you know a relationship, then that would be the decline of of civilization, because yeah. nobody would ever need a partner, and then we wouldn't have children, and then we would basically all die like the dinosaurs. And it all starts from something as minute as I can't double text, or I can't communicate, or I can't ask for reassurance. Right, yeah. that mentality. If you take that all the way to its logical conclusion, is you end up alone, so does everybody else, and then that's the decline of humanity. You know, and it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but I mean, that that's as far as you can take it. And and it's just it's absolutely crazy that we these very basic things that we need in our dating lives, we're acting like there's something wrong with them. Yeah. When when and why do you think this all started? Like why did this become such a thing and and why have we all gotten so in our heads about needing the things that we need that we we should need and we should want and we should be able to just get you know well i think a lot of it started with this this um totally 
nonsensical idea that you're supposed to be perfect on your own. Um, you know, what I always say is that it's not about being perfect on your own. It's about making sure your airplane is safe enough to fly, right? So if your airplane clearly has a broken wing or a gas leak, you do not want to invite somebody else onto it because you wouldn't step onto someone else's airplane if you saw that it had a gas leak or a broken wing. But your airplane doesn't have to be decked out in gold and diamonds with champagne everywhere. It doesn't have to be perfect before you can take on passengers. It never will be. It just has to be safe enough to fly, you know, and then one person is the pilot and one person is the co-pilot and you are a team and you work together and you navigate safely to your destination. Um, and so I think that that's a big myth that was perpetuated. I think that the other big myth that has been perpetuated is the lie of career versus parenthood and the lie of career versus relationship. So you're, you're 25, 27, 27. Okay. I'm 29. So in our parents' generation, Ilana, the message that most of them received and lived by was find a good partner, start a family, and then you'll figure out your careers and your finances together. Okay. The message that people in our generation have received and have lived by is go make money, start your career, establish yourself, make a name for yourself, be an Instagram model, have 10,000 followers, blah, blah, blah. And then maybe one day when you're 35, you know, you can start thinking about having a partner. That's basically the way that we've interpreted and lived that message. And we've been fed this lie that having a career and having money is more important and more fulfilling than having a relationship, starting a family, you know, doing those things with our partner. Um, and we've also, you know, severely been impacted by everything that we see on the internet and all of these really unrealistic ideals of money, fame, and fortune and glamour that we're supposed to live up to. And we've been taught that relationships and family is, you know, come secondary to those things. Um, and I think that that's just what that's done is it's reduced the, because people place less importance on relationships until later in their lives. Then when they get to that stage, they get really anxious because they don't really know what to do. Mm -hmm. And it feels like they're losing a race and, you know, now it's like, oh my God, I'm behind. Yeah. So, Do you think that this is kind of what has led to so many people like having that whole like fear of commitment and not knowing if the person that they like and the person that they're dating is the person they should settle down with or that it's like maybe too soon? Like I know, and I've, I've expressed this a few times before on different episodes, like I dated a bunch of guys who were the same type of guy. They all worked in the music industry and the entertainment industry and they all were like part of the school of thought that they could not have an actual relationship until they absolutely like succeeded, got to the top of their field, crushed it in their career. And I'm like, why wouldn't you want to like do that and have someone support you along the way? You know, like I got into relationships with people who were like, I shouldn't be in a relationship right now. I told myself I was never going to have a girlfriend right now. And it's like, right. Well, well, here we are. Like, uh, uh, what? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that I, I lived by that message for a long time because that's the message that I grew up with. And you may be a rare breed, by the way, that you wanted to be in relationships and you wanted to support someone who wasn't fully 
established yet because Mm -hmm. a lot of women that I'm friends with a lot of, I mean, men too, of course, but a lot of women that I'm friends with and women that I work with, they don't come from that school of thought. The school of thought that they come from is, is that they need to be totally established and their career as a lawyer or a doctor or a PA or an engineer or whatever they're doing is really important. And they are actually spending a lot of their time pursuing their ambitions and dreams and careers, which is all well and good, but they're doing it at the expense of a relationship. And so of course they have commitment issues, you know, just like, just like the, the guys do. So, you know, it's great to make money. It's great to have a career. It's great to be established, but none of that stuff is going to make you emotionally prepared for commitment and for a relationship. So, you know, we want to work on those two things in tandem. We want to simultaneously establish ourselves, our lives, our career, and create, you know, successful lives for ourselves and learn how to survive and cope in the very weird dating world, you know, and have healthy functional relationships and not wait until we're 30 to start thinking about that. Um, Of course, there's also the advent of dating apps, which seems like a low hanging fruit, but that has also ushered in a new era of being noncommittal. Um, the best way to start practicing being more ready for a relationship is to date one person at a time. Literally, if you're going to go on one or two or three dates, even if it's only three dates with someone, if you like them enough to go on one, two or three dates with them, that's the person you're seeing. Yeah. If it doesn't work out, you move on to the next one. Right. But what we've done with these dating apps is. There's, there's a thing in consumer psychology called the paradox of choice. Right. And what it says, okay, I'm, I'm sure people have talked to you about this before, but what it says is the, the more choices we have at any one time, the less satisfied we are with the, cho- with the, with the choice we eventually make. Mm-hmm. And with these dating apps, we're constantly comparing everyone to everyone. We don't have to develop the social and emotional skills to talk to people at a party and learn how to communicate with them and you know, have a successful date with them because you can just do it online. And if that person doesn't work out, doesn't matter because you're dating 11 other people at the same time. Right. Right. And even if those 11 don't work out, then you can easily get 11 more. Exactly. Uh, especially if you're attractive, right now, think about this for somebody who is ugly or overweight or something like that. They don't have those options, but they also don't have, you know, the, the dating sort of skills to be able to navigate this. Right. So, the best thing that you can do is like just to start practicing being less of a commitment phobe and, you know, being more ready is challenge yourself to date only one person at a time. Yeah. I think we'd all be be so much better for that. And I also think we'd all be less anxious if that was the rule that everybody went by, if that was what people actually put into practice, because I know a huge factor of a lot of people's dating anxiety is like, those first few dates, when you start to develop feelings for someone, when you start to see like that, maybe you want to pursue something with somebody, you have no idea if they're only seeing you or if they're actually seeing a bunch of other people, like you have no idea what's going on in their heads. And, and sometimes that makes us even more afraid to tell somebody like, I like you, or to say, I don't want to see anyone else because we're so afraid of what their response is going to be. So then we don't say anything at all. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Well, Everything you're wondering can be answered with a three-minute conversation. 
Mm-hmm. Every question you have can be answered with a three-minute conversation. Now, let me be clear. You may not get the answer you want. And you may get no answer. But the answer you want and no answer are still an answer. Yep. Right? So we drive ourselves absolutely batshit crazy, excuse my language, trying to read minds rather than having a very simple, straightforward, three-minute conversation. Doesn't have to be a fight. Doesn't have to be an argument. Conversation is not confrontation, right? But you sit down, third date with someone, hey, just want to let you know that I am the type of person who likes to date only one person at a time so I can really focus my energy and effort. I'm not asking you to walk down the aisle with me tomorrow, but what's your MO? I'm going to say, well, I'm flattered and I appreciate that, but you know, at this point I feel like I need to keep my options open and I don't, don't, you know, I don't really feel comfortable dating one person at a time. Great. You got your answer. You have information. Now you know where they're at and now you can make decisions accordingly. Or they can say, well, you know, this is a, it's pretty early on for us, but I'm definitely the same type of person. You know, I like to date one person at a time. So my energy and attention are focused on them. And I'm really glad we had that conversation. Perfect. Now you have information. Let's talk about what we're going to order. Right. I love pasta at this place. And like how, like think about how many hours you spent going over that question in your head rather than the 35 or 40 seconds in which you posed the question and then you got an answer. It's, it's, it's so disproportionate. So the more of those little three minute conversations you can have just checking in, here's how I feel. What are your thoughts on this? It's not a big deal at all. And if someone thinks it's a big deal and they freak out and they run away or you push them away, believe me, you're getting your answer sooner rather than later because that was coming. Yeah. And, or they weren't, they're not ready for a relationship or they're somebody who can't communicate like that. And ultimately the relationship would not work out because of that. Like they're not ready. They have work to do. That's exactly what I'm saying. You're, you're seeing that they're not ready sooner. And then as you like to say, you can delete their number and find someone who is. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Okay, wait, but question. So let's say I, I said that to somebody I'm on a third date with, like, I only want to, I only like to date one person at a time. I want to see where this goes with us. And they were like, yeah, I'm still, I still want to see where this goes with us. I'm enjoying this, but like, I still am seeing other people or I, I'm not ready to like fully commit yet. Yes, mm-hmm. that answer is totally okay. And of course, that's always an option. But how can I then go back and feel comfortable or feel like not so out of my mind anxious about what their answer is. Cause then in my head, I know I would go home and then anytime they don't answer my text immediately, I'd be like, Oh my God, maybe they're on a date with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Like how do you actually manage that anxiety in, in that situation once you hear their answer? Or of course, like if it's, if you haven't asked and, and you're not sure, you know, what's that I just heard? Was that the sound of a relative asking, why are you still single? Oof, yeah, the holidays are coming up. It's going to be a lot of family time. You you probably want a plus one with you so that mainly so you can avoid those questions, but also so that you can have a partner and, and be happy. And hopefully they're the person that you've been looking for. And it's cuffing season. It's time to focus on 
figuring out what you want and really going for it. My favorite way to focus is with Mindset Wellness CBD's Focus Gummies. They are organic, they're non-GMO, they're gluten-free, vegan, and they taste amazing. Get yours today, mindsetwellness.com. Yeah. So, okay, if you haven't asked, then your anxiety is unfounded, right? It's your anxiety is not rooted in anything other than making stories up in your head. Exactly. You know, other than, so you, you don't get to be anxious. You don't have a right to be anxious and torture yourself until you've asked right now. We all, of course, when I say you don't have a right to be anxious, like we all get anxious, but I'm, I'm trying to help people with their anxiety because I, I had to learn this lesson myself. So, you know, if you're anxious, ask, communicate, you're going to get an answer and then it will either mitigate your anxiety or it will make your anxiety worse. Okay. If the answer makes your anxiety worse, then that's a very good indicator for you that this relationship is probably not going to make you feel safe and secure. How do you predict the future with someone you're dating? You look at their behavior right now. Okay. We don't have a crystal ball. We're not clairvoyance. So the most reliable predictor we have of the future is to look at a person's behavior right now. Look at who they are and what they do and what they say right now, and then see how that registers with you. Now, I could have a conversation with a girl and I could say to her, I only like to date one person at a time. And she says, I respect that. That's cool. That's not really my style. Mm -hmm. Right. And I could be totally okay with that. I can respect that. That doesn't make me anxious. You know, I don't mind. On the other hand, me personally speaking as Kevin, right? If, if a girl says that to me, A, I don't respect it. And B, it makes me very anxious. So now what we're talking about is my personal values and my emotional constitution, my needs. Okay. So what I know when I hear that is, okay, that makes me anxious. It makes me feel unsafe. I'm not going to create a torturous situation for myself in which I go home and every time I text her that she's not responding, I'm wondering if she's on a date with someone else. That doesn't feel good to me. I don't want to do that, Ilana. So when you ask me, what do I do with that situation? Well, if it makes you really anxious, that's not the last fish in the sea, you know, and a relationship and getting to know someone is supposed to enhance your life. It's not supposed to make it worse. It's not supposed to make you anxious. You'll hear a lot of people say you have to fight for your relationship. You have to fight for the person you're dating. Well, I have news for you. A relationship is not a battleground, you know, and the only time you should be fighting for something or you should be inordinately anxious about it is if you've been married for several years, there's God forbid an issue with the children, there's God forbid an issue with the finances there's been infidelity and now you have to figure out what's going to, I mean, those are extreme circumstances where, yeah, you're going to be anxious and you have to decide if you want to fight for it. And, you know, you got to go to couples therapy and all that kind of stuff. But we're talking about three dates or three weeks or three months in, why would you sit there and torture yourself if you're not on the same page with someone or if your dating values don't align with them? Yeah. So the short answer is, if, that, if that's what they say to you and you're cool with it, you've expressed the way you operate and you're cool with the way they operate, then proceed with confidence. 
if you express yourself Mm -hmm. and the answer they give you makes you more anxious than you already were, that is probably a good predictor of how you're going to feel in the relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a really good point. And and I, I've seen that with my friends. I've seen that with myself and even with some of the listeners who reach out to me about what they're going through. And it really is so true. And and I'm, I'm really glad you brought all of those points up. One question I have for you is when you're feeling really anxious in a dating situation, how do you know if that anxiety is coming from your own anxiety or if it's coming from you with this person because I know myself I've dated a lot of people who have made me feel incredibly anxious and who have brought out so much anxiety but I also know that I have anxiety from from past dating experiences so I've had people cheat on me I've had people manipulate me and gaslight me and like every type of negative toxic dating experience you could have had I had so I definitely have a lot of like PTSD and things I carry with me so that when I see somebody acting a certain way or like saying something or not saying something that does make me anxious, but is that them or is that me? Okay. This is an amazing question. And, um, this question actually ruined one of my relationships, a relationship that otherwise could have been pretty happy and successful, but I was such an anxious mess Um, and I could not figure out if it was about her and something she was doing and things she was saying and her way of communicating, or if it was just me and my anxiety, you know, and, and eventually it just got to be so much that I had to leave the relationship. And when I left the relationship, this girl was like, well, why? Like, we don't fight. Our relationship is happy on paper. Everything seems good. And I'm like, I know. And I don't know. I can't say that you're doing something wrong but I'm just so anxious in this relationship all the time. And so after I had this experience, I struggled with this question for like three years and I, you know, read a ton of books and I, you know, asked my clients their experiences and I tried to go back and think about my other experiences. And so the answer to the question of how does this happen, you know, is it your anxiety or is it something that they're doing is a bit of a chicken and the egg situation. It's very pinpoint. It's very difficult to pinpoint where the anxiety starts. Uh Are you anxious because they're not communicating or are they not communicating because they sense your anxiety and then that makes it worse, right? So it's hard to pinpoint. Is it their behavior or is it your anxiety? And it's hard to figure out exactly like, where that, you know, where that starts. Mm -hmm. As you said, you've been cheated on before. You've had negative experiences before. Are you bringing that stuff into your current relationship and that could be affecting it? Or is it just not the right fit um, or a combination of both? So that, you know, finding the origin is really hard, but it's not nearly as important as finding the solution. Mm -hmm. And here's the solution. Pay attention to how you feel when you are apart from your partner or the person you're dating more than you pay attention to how you feel when you are together. If when you're together, you're anxious with them, it's not the right match, right? Because when you're together, you should be having a great time. Okay. Yeah. If when you're together, you're having a great time, 
you're eating, you're laughing, you're cuddling, you're sharing great stories. But then when you leave, you're anxious, you're overthinking, you're stuck in your own head, etc. Chances are that's a relationship in which you do not feel safe and comfortable and something is missing. Now, as I said earlier, I thought you were going to say the opposite, actually. I thought you were going to say then like, that's your own anxiety and it's nothing to do with the relationship. No. Wow. Okay. Keep going. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. I used to think that way. Yeah. Same. No. Okay, cool. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> if you're in a relationship and when you're together, when you're physically together, everything is great. You're having good conversations. Your values are aligned. Your communication is aligned. You're enjoying your activities together. You're not fighting. Your personality traits complement each other. But you walk away from that relationship and now you're wondering, when's he going to text me? He said he'd call me at 8 p.m. Will he do that? You're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You feel like the rug could be pulled out from under you at any moment. That is a very strong indication that something in that relationship isn't right that something in the relationship is making you feel unsafe. It could be your intuition telling you, hey, this person's going to hurt you. It's not the right fit. It could be the fact that in the back of your mind, you know your family won't accept them. It could be this one thing that they said or these three or four things that they've said that sort of rubbed you the wrong way, but you went over them. It could be the fact that when you're apart, your communication isn't very good. So the first thing you need to do is have a conversation with them and try to sort out why you feel anxious when you're apart from them. But if you continue to feel anxious when you are apart from them, even after you've had those conversations, your values are aligned. Your communication style seems to be aligned when you're together. You're having all of this fun when you're together. Everything seems good when you're together. But as soon as you step away, you feel anxious and unsafe and insecure. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Right. So right. as I said, it could be your anxiety. It could be that something's wrong. You know, it's hard to trace back what the exact origin point is, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. A relationship is supposed to enhance your life, not make you more anxious and make it worse. So that's an indication. If you leave your time together and you feel like an anxious mess, that's an indication that it's not the right fit. Mm -hmm. It's not the right match. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it's it's interesting because I, I do a lot of reflecting on my relationships and in the past and my current relationship now. And I don't know if it's that I did a lot of like internal work and worked through a lot of my dating anxiety, or if it's that with my now boyfriend, Jake, that our relationship just is really healthy. But I never he's I think the first person I've ever dated in my life where I have felt no anxiety whatsoever. And <laughs> I think from the beginning, he was incredibly communicative. Like he texted me right after the date that he had a great time, wanted to see me again. After the second date, he said the same thing. He brought up being exclusive, like almost before I even would have like thought about it. And so for me, I think I always knew exactly where his head was at. So I didn't start overthinking anything. I didn't start like creating all of these stories in my head about where he was, what he was doing, what he was thinking. And so I've always wondered, like, is that because I was in a better place when I met him? Or is that just because I feel safe with him? And 
I think from this conversation, I think it is like actually the latter because I like, even right before that, I was like going on dates with somebody else and I was going crazy over if he had a good time on her date or if he was going to text me back and it felt terrible. And you, you probably are in a better place right now because you're talking to all these experts about dating and anxiety right. and confidence. And, you know, you've also done a lot of your own internal work. And remember, your airplane has to be safe enough to fly. Right. So you have to manage your anxiety enough that mm-hmm. you can make this distinction between, you know, is it me? Like, am I acting totally nuts? Do I need to go back to the therapy office? Right. You know, or is it just that I don't feel safe with this person? So, yeah, I'm assuming that a person has a baseline level of like self-awareness. Yeah. But listen, I'm in the same situation. I am an anxious person. And, you know, when girls don't text me back, when I like them, when I have to play guessing games, I turn into a little boy. I turn into a, a, a mess, you know? Mm-hmm. I like, you can put me in front of 20, 200 or 2,000 or 20,000 people speaking on a stage. I don't have an ounce of anxiety. But if I like a girl and she's not texting me back, I turn into an anxious mess. Yep. The woman that I'm dating now, who's wonderful, not once have I ever had to question if she was going to text me back. Not once have I had to question if when we had plans, they were we were going to go through with them. Mm-hmm. You know, there was one day when she was in Malibu with her girlfriend and she couldn't talk to me for like three or four hours because there, you know, she didn't have service there and it made me a little anxious. So after the date or sorry, not after the date, after she got back from her, her day with her friend, I told her, Hey, listen, next time, if you think you're going to be, you know, you're not going to have service for like four or five hours, will you just let me know so that I'm, you know, so I'm aware and I don't have to worry that you're mad at me or I don't have to worry that anything happened to you. And she was like, oh yeah, of course, babe, no problem. You know, and now whenever she goes into work, she just texts me, texts me, hey, I'm going to be at work. I'll check in with you on my lunch break or, hey, you know, it's going to be a really busy shift. I probably won't be able to chat, you know, until tonight, but I'm thinking of you and can't wait to see you. Yep. Completely, you know, makes me feel safe and secure. And we both have very busy schedules, so I don't get to see her as often as I would like, but I'm not anxious in the time that I'm apart from her because it's the right fit. Yeah. And there's that feeling of reassurance, safety, and communication going both ways like there is with you and Jake. Right. Yeah. And and that's also, I'm, I'm happy for both of us. <laughs> um, that's great to hear. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, it's sometimes that reassurance. And, and I know I've talked to my friends about this all the time where it's like, why can't like, like if more people would just say like, I'm going to be super busy at work, but I'll text you later. Or like, I, I'm going out with friends tonight. We're going to put our phones down, but like, I can't wait to see you tomorrow. It's like those little things make such a difference to people who are anxious. Um, which, they make the biggest difference. And it's crazy. It, it has to start somewhere, right? Yeah. So if you're not getting that, ask for it. Yeah. Because, you know, the person sitting across the table from you, they don't know what you need. Yeah. Ask them for what you need. And if they're incapable of giving it to you, you will see that very quickly. And once you see that, then you bounce, you know, Mm -hmm. or ask them for what you need. And they'll be like, sure. Thank you for telling me that. And then they'll do it and it'll completely quell your anxiety, you know? Yeah. And 
yes, people need to have a self-soothing mechanism. You can't rely 100% on the other person to soothe you, you know, but assuming you have a baseline of self-awareness and assuming you've done some good work on yourself, you know, it's, you can be the most secure person in the world. The wrong person's gonna make you feel anxious, you know? So it's, it's, it's a two way street. You know, you need a little bit of reassurance and communication from them. And you also need to be able to soothe yourself a little bit in those moments where you're having a hard time. But don't put it all on them and certainly do not put it all on yourself because we are human beings and we are needy and we do have needs and, you know, we all need validation, love, reassurance. It it comes in, in different forms, you know, but the expectation that you don't need those things and that you shouldn't ask for those things is completely absurd. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Sometimes when we're dating, we're not actively thinking about what do we want out of this? What can we do to be better daters? And hopefully if you're listening to seeing other people, you are starting to think about it, but start to think about your pre-date playlist. How can you pump yourself up? How can you get into the right mindset to find your person? My favorite way to get into any mindset and the way that I think really works best and has helped me in my dating life and landed me in a great relationship is with the help of Mindset Wellness and their CBD gummies. I love the Calm gummies. I love the sleep gummies. But what I want to talk about today is the focus gummies. They will really help you focus on, okay, this is what you need to do to accomplish whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. In this case, probably finding a partner or building your relationship and I strongly, strongly recommend trying the Focus Gummies if there's something you're trying to do right now, especially in your dating life. Head to MindsetWellness.com to grab yours today and use code SEEINGOTHERPEOPLE for a discount. I have a listener question here that actually fits right into this topic that I want to bring up. Um, This person asked, when is it too early to share your anxieties when you first start dating somebody? Hmm. Well... What do you think would be an example? Because there's there are many ways I can answer that. Like after the third after a third date, like not hearing from them until like the next night, like something like that can really set you off and and make you second guess everything and and sit there like how can you tell them like hey I get super anxious when I don't hear from you or like when is it too soon to say that like can you say that after a first date like I get really anxious about texting like will you like can you text me back or like oh Oh, I see things like that I think well. The true answer, which a lot of people aren't going to like to hear, is that it's never too soon Mm -hmm. because if you say that to the right person and they like you and they're communicative and they see this going in a good direction, then they will honor and respect that. If you say that to somebody who is not communicative and sees that as a burden and sees that as weird and sees you as anxious because of that and can't empathize with that, then they are not really going to honor your needs and they're going to think that you're a weirdo. So for you to sit there and ask yourself, when's the right time and try to calculate it, you know, in order to get what you want from the other person is just going to drive you crazy. I think the right time to say that is when you feel it's coming up for you. Right. Right. So I think it's perfectly acceptable to say on a first date, just so you know, I'm a really like I'm I am a communicator. I like to check in. I would rather over communicate rather than under communicate. Um, you know, how do you feel about that? Like what what's what's your style? And that person's gonna say, 
shit. To be honest with you, I never check my phone. You know, mm-hmm. okay, well, you've only been on one date with them, so you can try a week and see how you feel. Yeah. More than likely, that's probably not going to jive with you, you know, but now you have that information. Now you know that it's because they never check their phone, not because they're intentionally ignoring you. Now, totally. I, I think that's really important to find out too, if the person is a texter or not, because that can immediately kind of resolve some of the things like you're, they're not, not texting you back because they don't want to talk to you. They're not texting you back because they're not on their phone or they're not a big texter. Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, before I ever, before I go out on first dates, like I like to do a phone call or a FaceTime. And what I'll say is, are you a texter? Mm-hmm. And I'll say it lightheartedly, you know, and they're like, oh, that, that's funny. Like nobody's ever asked me before, but I think that's a, you know, it's a good question. Like, yeah, I'm asking because I want to know if it's okay, you know, to text you or are you more just like texting for details, time and place, yeah. right? That's great. You know, if that's the way they prefer to do it, probably not going to work for me, but I'll try it for one or two dates, yeah. you know, just, just to keep an open mind. But it's, it's never too soon. If, if something's make giving you anxiety and you still want to give it a chance at succeeding, the sooner you can communicate and have that three minute conversation, the better. Remember conversation is not confrontation. Yep. It all goes back to the three minute conversation and, and like everything else that we talk about on, on seeing other people, everything goes back to communication, everything, 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 everything in dating, in life, in friendships, relationships, everything everything. The the success or failure of every single relationship comes down to the success or failure of your communication. Yep. The success or failure of every single thing in your dating life comes down to the quality or the lack thereof of your communication. Now, you need to have personality traits that complement each other. You need to have values that are aligned. You need to have similar life visions. All of those things are incredibly important, but you can have all of that down to the T. You can be the same exact person. You can find your literal twin flame soulmate. If your communication with them sucks, the baby goes out with the bathwater. All of it gets destroyed. So if we're looking for the ultimate pinnacle and find one relationship expert who will tell you that it's not about communication. It's all about communication. And like, it seems like such a trope, but it's not rocket science. You just have to do it. Yep. You know, like what you're, what you're talking to all these people about on these podcasts, no one's giving you revolutionary advice, Ilana, but the difference between you and me in our happy, successful relationships and someone else who's really struggling the way that we used to is that we started communicating. And they understand that that's something they need to do, but they're scared to do it. And you just got to do it. You just got to do it. On that note, Kevin, thank you so much for being here. This has been amazing and an absolute pleasure to have you. Where can the Seeing Other People listeners find you, find more of your work and learn more from you? Thank you so much. I love the conversation with you. Um, My website is just my name, kevinnahai.com. And my Instagram is my name, also Kevin Nahai. Uh, my last name is N-A-H-A-I. Send me a message. Let's be friends. And um, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. God bless you. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being here, everyone. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.